Amen, amen. Awesome job, guys. Thank you all so much. We're so blessed to have the folks we have who lead us in worship every week. And uh, knowing them, knowing their hearts, it's incredible. And just really, really appreciate them. Uh, how about Chase last week, who was here to hear that? How awesome was that? Um, what a privilege, again, to have someone like Chase who leads us in worship. Um, I can tell you this, you don't find that many worship leaders who have the humble heart that he has. And it's really incredible uh, to get to be led by him and to get to work with him every day and uh, to know him and his family and just to see how he lives his life. The thing that I think I appreciated the most about his message, one was the words he had to say. Of course, they were, they were really, really powerful. But he was the same person up here that he is every day that I work with him. And, and that's awesome to see. There, there was no um, change of personality. That's who you saw last Sunday. That is Chase. And it's awesome to get to see that. So um, I'm glad you're here. I think that song we just sang is such an appropriate song, man, the goodness of God, to be reminded of that uh, each and every day, uh, to have that reminder today. Uh, what we may be facing or going through, and um, even to encourage us to keep moving forward is awesome. Uh, tonight, we get to start our VBS, so speaking of moving forward, getting to make waves, um, and so I thought about knocking one of these beach balls out there, seeing how long we could keep it going. Um, I don't like a real athletic crowd, so we're not going to try it, but um, anyway... Uh, we're looking forward to this. Uh, I may talk about this a little bit later, but we've got more children signed up for VBS right now than we've ever had, even pre-COVID. And that's just so incredible to get to pour into the lives of these children. And many of you, many of you have volunteered to serve in this uh, way, and we are so thankful for that. One of the things that is a blessing every year with VBS is we get to meet a lot of new people who have been here, and, and, but they sign up to serve in BBS, and uh, man, it's, it's always awesome to see this church come together to love on these children, pour Jesus into their lives, and so thank you for that as well. Um, starting a new series today uh, called Summer at Connection. Uh, we got real creative with this one. Uh, spent a lot of time in the prayer closet, just, Lord, you know, give us a creative name. This is what he gave us, and so Summer at Connection. Um, and, and this series is going to be geared around this, uh, sort of this thought. If the church could grab hold of one thing, what would that be? And you're going to hear some different things, actually, from some different people. And I'm really excited about this because some of the people you're going to get to hear from, other than me, will be some of the Connection Church pastors who you haven't heard from in a while. So you're going to get to hear from Buck up in Dublin, Billy Jeremy, some of these guys, a lot of these guys who got saved in this church in college grew up in the church and now have gone and planted one of the seven churches, or soon to be seven churches, that have come out of this place. And so I'm excited for you to hear that. These guys are incredible communicators, but more than that, their hearts are so on fire for the Lord and for what he's doing. And, and I'm just really excited to see how God moves. I'm going to start this today with what I feel like will revolutionize the church. Um, if we can grab hold of this one thing, if, if God does this one thing in our heart. And so uh, if you will turn in your Bibles or, or if you're going to 
read along on your phone, however you're going to do that, to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you've been around me much, this passage will come as no surprise that this is the one I would pick out because this is uh, typically my go-to for everything. Um, it's been my life verse for quite a while. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. And this is what it says. Jesus speaking here, and this is from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7 is what's known as the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Jesus, a collection of Jesus' teachings that uh, were really um, powerful as all of his teachings, but were very contrary to, I guess, common thought in that day, even amongst the Jewish people. But he tells us this in Matthew 6, 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we can come here this morning and worship you, that we can be reminded of your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord, thank you. God, I pray today that you would work in our heart. God, as we talk through these passages, as we hear your word, I thank you that it is God breathed and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training us so that we are trained in righteousness and prepared for every good work. Holy Spirit, would you have your way in our hearts now? That the power of your Spirit, Lord, combined with your word, would renew our minds. That we would see through your lens, through your word, and view the world through that lens. That if there are strongholds in our mind that are inaccurate ways of thinking that keep us bound to some type of scarcity mindset, that you aren't enough or that you don't provide or won't provide, God, would you pull that down? That our faith would grow, our trust would grow, and that we would walk into God being everything that you've called us to be, not just as individuals, but as your church. So we love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I mentioned to you that this is uh, really my life verse. There's other verses that are very meaningful, but not long after I got saved, I came across this passage. I didn't really know anything about the Bible, but I came across this passage and I try to keep things simple for the most part. I'm pretty good at times at complicating simple things, but for the most part, I try to keep things simple. And when I came across this passage and it just said, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. I thought that seems pretty simple, right? That seems pretty doable. And that's always been my go-to in everything, in good times, bad times. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. All these things will be added. And as we were singing this morning about the goodness of God and all my life, you have been faithful. I just started reflecting back on all of that. And, and what I started really seeing again is God's hand and his faithfulness on our life and how true this passage has been. Now, I want to be very upfront with you. 
I've not always been perfect in this. In fact, for me to stand up and talk about this verse, we talked about hypocrisy a few weeks ago. This week, it feels a little bit hypocritical for me to come and talk about this passage and even challenge you with this passage because I don't feel like I did a really good job of this. Um, so this week started out like any other week, but I knew that my youngest son, Reed, had uh, his district baseball tournament coming up. And these games all happen in the evening, starting about 5 o'clock. Usually a game at 5 and 7. Sometimes they play 1, sometimes they play 2. Um, we, we're doing this over in Springfield. So work combined with father, right, trying to wear all the hats. And you, you guys and you moms, you, you all know about this, how we try to do it all and do it all well. Um, time got really crunched. Time got really crunched. And, and so... I would try to work and then go to these games and then try to do some more work. And then I think I got in bed maybe before like 12, 1 o'clock one night this week. Um, it all kind of came to a head for me on Wednesday night. We had one game at 5. We ended up winning that game, but then we had a rain delay for two hours. So the 7 o'clock game started at 9 o'clock. We're in Springfield. So that means I know I'm not getting home before midnight right? To top it off, uh, not only would I not get home before midnight, but I had a 6.30 a.m. meeting the next morning. And so I'm thinking, I'm not sleeping much. I'm already tired. I got a lot to do tomorrow. I'm probably not going to be very vital. This is not good. I start feeling the pressure. I start, you know, we kind of start the downward spiral kind of thing, right? So we go on, we do that. We, we get home late. I get up, that next morning, I'm, I'm here, I'm trying to do everything I need to do. But it was one of those weeks, have you ever had this time where you, everything you touch, you're like the opposite of the Midas touch? Like everything you touch, it doesn't turn to gold, it goes the other direction? That's kind of how my week went. Everything I put my hand to, it seemed like it just fell apart. And so I'm struggling to get stuff done. Even yesterday, we've had another tournament. We go down, we play in um, Savannah. And I'm looking at the schedule. We played at 9, and we played at 12.30. I'm thinking, I'll be back by 3.30, and I'll be able to go to the office. I'll be able to finish a lot of work up, and then we'll go eat. Today's my, my middle son's 16th birthday. We'll go eat uh, for his birthday that evening, go home, get a good night's rest, come back. I'll be ready to go. But that didn't happen. You know why? Because it rained again. And so I end up getting back at 7.00 or 6.30, we got to meet to eat at 7.30. That took forever, and so now it's 10 o'clock. I hadn't even been here yet. And I, I'm, I'm, it's, it's working. I don't know if y'all get worked up about anything, but I'm feeling the pressure. I'm feeling the pressure. And you know how you get to that point where you just feel like it's just about to go, Bruh! that's where I was. And so I told Susan, I said, Susan, look, I'm not going home. I said, I'm, I'm spending the night at the church. I got too much to do. I'm going to spend the night at the church. She's like, whatever you need to do, if, you need, if that's what you think's best, if you think you'll sleep, I was like, look, I'm so tired. I'm going to work as long as I can. I'll go to sleep. I'll get back up. I'll, I'll, I'll get things going I'm in the morning. It'll be fine. Not a good idea. So I come here. I do some reading and doing some different things I need to do. And then I lay down on the couch. I got a couch, two couches in my office. I lay down, actually push them together. Now I got a bed. And I'm like, this is going to be all right. I'm going to get some sleep, wake up in the morning, feel good, be ready to go. 
About 11.30, phone rings. Susan says, hey, we got a little problem. I said, what? She says, I'm in the ditch. <laughs> At this point, I just want to throw something, you know, and, and our dirt road's a mess because we got a bunch of rain down towards where our house is, and she's off in the ditch. She's like, don't worry, date's coming. I said, Susan, I'm on the way. I, I don't feel good about leaving you there. She's no, no. Dake's done this is my oldest son. He's done this before. I said, do not let him rip the bumper off the front of your car. I would rather get no sleep than for him to rip the bumper off the front of your car. And, and because he, he could do that. And, and so she's like, it'll be fine. Well, she calls back. She's like, hey, car's not coming out of the ditch. I have to get somebody to pull it out with a tractor tomorrow. I think we're just going to go to the house. This was you know, 11.45, 11.50, something like that. So I'm like, okay, they're at the house. They're safe. I'm going to sleep. I mean, literally put the phone down. I'm like, 12.15 phone rings. Hey, Dad. Hey, buddy. We couldn't get the car out. Yeah, your mom and I had this conversation. Thanks for trying. All right, bye. So I put the phone down. Start to doze back off. Didn't realize this, but at 1 o'clock, there's an alarm that goes off inside the church to tell you to get out of the church. <laughs> so I dozed off again. At 1 o'clock, this alarm starts going, eep, eep, eep. please leave the building. The alarm will be armed in 15 minutes. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, what do I do now? I'm like, do I just grab my stuff, run out, get in the truck, and leave? I go, I, I hit beep, 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 put the code in, and it backs up. It goes, Alarm will be armed in 60 minutes. I'm like, well, that's no good. That's just going to wake me up again. So I hit it again. It finally cuts it off. And then I started thinking, I didn't know somebody was in the building. Is somebody else in here? <laughs> I mean, I was armed, so I'm like, okay, if, I mean, I can handle this. But I'm like, somebody else here. So I'm like, no, no, I just locked the door. I lay back down on the couch. I start to doze off. 2.15, maybe you got this thing last night too. What happened? Amber alert. What was it, Covington? Covington, Georgia. So naturally I jump up, put my clothes on, and head to Covington to find this person. <laughs> and finally, like... I, it must have been like 2.45, 3 o'clock. I think I finally fell asleep. Alarm goes off again. I think, it, I don't know, 6, something like that. So if I fall asleep during my own sermon, just bear with me, right? But I say all that to say this. With all of the chaos in that, I don't feel like I sought the kingdom first very well. I tried. I mean, I, I did. Top it off, I got pulled over for speeding. And, and like every person in jail, I didn't do it. This was Friday. I mean, it was just one of those weeks, right? It was one of those weeks. And I'm like, how do you seek first the kingdom in the midst of this? And yet I come in and we start singing this song and it just brings me to tears because I'm like, all my life he has been faithful. Even when I have messed this up and I haven't been perfect at it, God has been so faithful. And I've realized this, that when I'm willing to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, that all these things really are added to him. We did it all staff on Thursday morning, and we're talking about how do you deal with pressure in life? And part of the way you deal with pressure is you remember God's past faithfulness. 
And you know when the pressure begins to mount, it's going to be okay. And I told myself that over and over throughout the week. It's going to be okay. His faithfulness is, is real and he's there. I'm just going to keep my eyes on him. And not long after I got saved, man, this was the verse that just, man, I grabbed hold of it. And people would even come and give me like artwork that had Matthew 6, on it because they knew how important that passage was to me. And today I want to encourage you with this, that you would seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and trust that all other things that you need will be added to you. Your greatest need has already been met if you are in Christ. Your greatest need has already been met. Your security has already been established and is on a firm foundation that cannot be shaken. Your future is secure because of him. But keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the goal and continue to seek him first. His kingdom and his righteousness. I think for us to really understand what Jesus is saying, we need to back up and read this in its context. Again, this is in the Sermon on the Mount where some scholars believe this was one teaching. Some believe that the people brought this and put this together as a, a several teachings that Jesus taught. But either way, it's a collection of teachings from Matthew 5 to Matthew 7. When you go and you begin to read it, you'll come across a lot of passages where Jesus will say things like, you have heard that it was said, but I tell you. And what he's really getting at is your worldview does not coincide with God's worldview. You've heard it said, even for the Jewish people, you've heard it said, but truly I tell you, you're looking at this the wrong way. And so he talks about murder and hate. He talks about adultery and lust. He talks about all of these things. And he says, you're looking at these things the wrong way. To me, in my opinion, it really sort of climaxes in Matthew 6, where he says, look, seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It sort of brings it all to a head where he says, the world will tell you to go after everything worldly. He says, but what I'm telling you is seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And he begins to teach them. And he's teaching a people, understand this, who saw wealth as the blessing of God. It meant that God had put his favor on you. It meant that God approved of you. And so he's teaching these people. And listen to this. He says this in verse 19 of chapter 6. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body. What you will wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. 
They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? See, listen to this. This is something that we really have to grab a hold of because we don't feel like this, especially days like today for me. We don't feel like this. In fact, I text Susan this morning. I said, I'm tired. I feel beat up. I feel unworthy of everything. I want to quit, but I'm not giving up and I'm not going to. I said, I, I, I feel completely unworthy. And she texted me back and said, you're worthy because Christ is in you and you're in him. We need to understand our value to God. That even when we're not at our best, he loves us so much. He says, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you work by worrying at a single hour to your life? In other words, he's saying you're doing something that can't help anything. In fact, it actually makes it worse. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. And then comes the verse, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It's like Jesus is saying this, why are you wasting your time doing something that can't change anything? All of your chasing after all of your seeking after the world and its stuff, it doesn't change anything. He says, then, why are you worrying about what you'll eat and what you'll wear? Why are you worrying about these things? It can't change anything. Not one of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life. He says, but let me tell you what will change things. He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. It's almost a challenge. It's almost a dare. Seek him first and see if he doesn't care for you. The problem with Christianity is not that God doesn't care for those who seek him first and provide. The problem with Christianity is too many of us haven't tried it. Jesus goes in the beginning and he really assaults like the priorities of humanity one of them being security and one of them being superiority. And he begins in verse 19. He says, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. And he says, some of you aren't seeking first the kingdom because you're so consumed with storing more. You're so consumed with staying in this elite place this powerful place we see this all around us that the rich want to stay rich the wealthy want to stay wealthy the powerful want to stay powerful and not just even at a status quo but we want more of it he said don't store up more Jesus even told a parable about a man who built greater barns and more stuff to hold his stuff and he says you fool don't you know that tonight your life will be demanded from you and here he says, don't store up. Don't spend your whole life trying to store up, trying to attain more. 
running after more. He says, don't you know that all that stuff one day is going to be gone? He said, do something that matters. And here's where these passages really come down to, to, to what Jesus is getting at. He says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is all about the heart. It's not about the money. It's about, is our heart really to seek him first? To, to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Or is it divided? Because if it's divided, listen, listen, listen to this. If God minus our possessions isn't enough, listen, if God minus our possessions isn't enough, then we cannot say that we love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, and with all our strength. And that's breaking the first and greatest commandment. That's why we need a Savior, because every person in here has broken it. And every person in here, your heart is prone towards division, towards your heart going after more, to store up more. And Jesus deals with this in the very first part. He's saying this more to the wealthy. You strive after storing up. Don't you know? Listen, don't you know there's a better way? He says the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. The word for healthy there, it literally means single. It means single. What's Jesus saying? He's saying if your eyes are healthy, if they're single, what it means is you're single-minded. You're singly focused on God. That this is what I'm seeking first. This is who I'm going after. He says, your whole body will be full of light. He says, but be careful because if your eye is unhealthy, literally means evil, stingy. Healthy means single, generous. He says, if your, your eyes are healthy, you'll be full of light. But man, if, if, if your mind is double-minded and your mind is set on the things of the world and your mind is evil and you're living stingy because you're looking through the worldview and you're storing up without giving out? He's saying, how great is the darkness in your heart? Because here's the reality. If we choose to ignore the teaching and how radical these teachings really are and we try to rationalize them away or even just ignore them, then here's the thing. We are blind to the truth of God. He says, either your eye is singularly focused on God and it's healthy and it's generous. He's saying, and, and you're focused on him. Or he's saying this. He's saying, your eye is then either you're double-minded, your, your eye is evil, you're full of darkness, and you're not willing to give out of anything. You're just willing, just, just building more barns to try to store up or either desiring to build more barns and get more to put in them. But he doesn't stop there. He goes on and he says, no one can serve two masters. He's saying you can't be double-minded and serve God. James even talks about this in the letter he wrote. He, he said, look, if you're double-minded, you won't receive anything from God. 
You can't serve both God and money. But then he goes on, he says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. He tells about what we'll eat, what we'll wear, how we can't add anything to our life. And in this case, he's saying to more of the people who don't have. He spoke to the rich, now he's speaking to the the poor. He's saying, don't worry about what you don't have. And this is not Jesus being uncompassionate. It's Jesus knowing the Father. It's not Jesus saying, well, just quit worrying. Don't whine about not having stuff. We know that's not true. God wants us to bring our request. It's not Jesus trivializing the needs of people. It's the fact that Jesus knows his Father, and he knows that if we'll fix our eyes on him and seek first his kingdom and view the world through his lens and seek his righteousness, then his Father will provide. Here's the thing we can't miss, though, guys. Some of those, some of the way that God is going to provide is through what's in our storehouses, in our barns. Some of those who have nothing, you know who God's calling to give something? You and I. And he says, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about what you're going to drink. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry. Your heavenly father knows you need these things. And he is a good daddy. And he will provide these things for you. Don't be double-minded, but be singularly minded and focused on God. Do something that really matters and seek first the kingdom of heaven. Do something that can cause effect and seek first the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. Don't have this evil, stingy eye. But see the way God gives. After all, God gave his best in giving us Jesus. He says, and live your life this way. And watch what your father does. This is not some prosperity gospel that says you write God a check for $1,000, even if it's not in your bank account. Write him a check for $1,000, you'll get 10 back, back within a few days. I'm not talking about that. Jesus promises to meet our needs, to take care of what we need, not to put us in a mansion on the hill, right? But seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. What does that really mean? We see it in the context of the money and and things that often grab our heart. But I would tell you this, that to seek first the kingdom is to seek to see the world the way God sees it. To seek to see the world the way God sees it. And to see the world the way God intends it to be. When we seek first his righteousness, we're seeking to be as we ought to be. That's what righteous really means. It means as one ought to be. And so when I'm seeking his righteousness, I'm seeking to be as I ought to be, the way I was intended to be, the way I was created to be. And in that, God is using us, and our goal is to be used to make the world as it ought to be. So I seek to see through God's kingdom lens what God intends, what God desires. And then I seek to live that out in the world to bring it to fruition. So I'm seeking first the kingdom. Father, show me what you intend, what ought to be. And God, give me the grace to live that out. 
to bring it to fruition. That your will would be done. Think about that model prayer of Jesus. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that is really the point of these verses. Your will be done. Let your kingdom come, God, on earth as it is in heaven. That heaven, we're, we're not saved just so we go to heaven. We're saved so that we bring heaven to earth. That's a change of mindset that we have probably learned in church, right? I'm not just saved to go to heaven. I'm saved because we're here to bring heaven to earth. What an incredible opportunity and incredible responsibility. I told you I've seen this over and over in my life. I've just seen it through my own personal journey from owning a business that was doing really well to becoming a youth pastor and you don't make any money. And then going and uh, starting a church and watching God provide from day one when we had literally nothing. And I'm telling you that you're here right now because the people who went before you who are part of this body have sought the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. There have been many, many people who went before you who have sought the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And some of you are them, right? You've been here and you've been through that. God has used you to cause incredible kingdom growth, to see part of heaven on earth. So much so, I want to share this with you, that to date there have been 723 salvations at Connection Church in Statesboro over the last 13 years. 723. You know why we don't say 720-something or a little over 700, but we say 723? Because every single one of those numbers matters. With the campuses, when we had all the campuses combined, there were an additional 415 salvations that took place in those years at those campuses. See, a lot of people who have been here have sought first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness, and God has added all these things. Here in Statesboro, since day one, we've seen over 1,000 baptisms. In fact, 1,006 baptisms here in Statesboro over the last 13 years. With the campuses, during that time, there was another 387. And let me tell you this, these, what used to be campuses that are now their own autonomous churches, <laughs> people are coming to know the Lord like crazy. People are getting baptized left and right. It's absolutely incredible what God is doing. Just in 2019, here in Statesboro, we've had 19 salvations. 19 people who went from death to life by professing Jesus as their Savior. Also this year already, we've had 25 baptisms. It's, it's remarkable to see 
You get to hear these stories, right, of these people. We're about to plant the seventh connection church. You know why that happens? It's because people have sought first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And God is adding, don't think for a minute that this is what we've done. Don't think for a minute that this is what we've done. Because this is what God is doing. And if we continue to give him empty vessels and say, fill us up, guess what? God keeps adding. When we had just started, I came across something one day. Some of you have heard this, but I want to read it again because it's a reminder to me to not take anything for granted. Don't take for granted VBS that we're having tonight with 359,000 kids, right? I think there's 84-year-olds. I got a baseball tournament tonight, I think. But <laughs> anyway, it's going to be awesome. It'll be awesome. Don't, don't, don't take for granted the 19 college students who got baptized. Don't take for granted um, the, the, the three or three teams, the 30 days in Turkey that just happened. Don't take those things for granted. Don't take for granted the student camp that they just went to, and it was so incredible. These are just recent things. Right now, the Savannah Connection Church is in Thailand. We got people all over the world. Why? Because we're called to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory as the seas, as the waters cover the seas. And it's incredible to see, but don't take it for granted. So I came across this. One day I stood up and just started reading this, and people freaked out. And this is why, and, and I took out some of the names and things in this, but I'm just going to read it as it was written. It says this, Connection Church held its last public service on August 30th, 2009. Five years ago, I stood in front of a group of people in the Lake Norman area, north of Charlotte, North Carolina, and cast a vision for a church that would reach those disconnected from God in creative new ways. We didn't want to be just another church. Our community had enough churches already. Our vision was to become a new dynamic expression of the first century believers, a church that would reach those who had not darkened the doors of a church in a while or maybe ever. Listen to this. This is so uncanny, y'all. The mission of Connection Church was to connect disconnected people into a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. The mission um, for the longest time for us was to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. In many ways, we saw this happen. Many people gave their lives to Christ. Many returned to the church and to their relationship with God after years of stagnation. People were baptized. Kids found out that Jesus loves them and wants to walk with them throughout their lives. Marriages were restored. Gifts were used for the kingdom. Disciples were made. I'm very proud and humbled to have been a part of those things. Why does this have to come to an end? There are a lot of factors I could point to. Hindsight is 2020 after all. Does, those, does that word 2020 just make you shudder now? But there are three things primarily that have happened. Finances, number one, we have struggled financially for quite a while now. In fact, it's probably simply by God's grace we've made it this far. We've done a lot with smoke and mirrors due to a lot of creative ingenuity by gifted staff and volunteers. The financial realities have caught up with us, however. 
You can only cut so much before you start to cut where it hurts and where it cripples the organization from accomplishing the mission. Second one is attendance. While we've seen new faces practically every Sunday in the church's existence, while we've seen new, new faces practically every Sunday in the church, we were unable to grow at a healthy clip enough to sustain the ministry, to increase our volunteer base, and to see giving levels come to a healthy place. A church plant like ours meeting in a rented, might as well say high school, YMCA like we were, was the high school, doing a setup, tear down every week, three trailers loaded in and out every week, started at 5.30, ended at 1.30, right, Roxanne? A church plant like ours meeting in that facility needs to see a healthy amount of growth in order to sustain the effort. It doesn't have to be lightning fast growth, but enough to see overall movement happening. We can never reach the critical mass that we needed to build on. The third one is vision. We're at a point where the vision for a church that will reach the unchurched is being compromised to creatively and effectively reach the lost takes ample resources. When you start to cut them and not add them, you undermine the vision we are, we're called to. You drift. Being just another nice church is simply not an option I want to consider. I was never on the, it was never on the table for Connection Church. Now, who knows what my wife's name is? What's my wife's name? The relationship that Susan, the kids, and I are taking from this will last a lifetime. You think when I read that, I wasn't like, oh, my gosh. Relationships don't have to end, and I'm confident for that for us. Many of these are just the beginning. We have been blessed by the people of Connection Church in more ways than I could possibly explain. We are confident that God is at work, that he knew this was coming, and that he is doing good out of it. We are approaching the ending of this church with a small C as a new beginning for all of us. My prayer is that it will help those who have called Connection Church home to make an even bigger impact for the church in the coming days. We approached it as a sending out. He says, I consider it one of my highest privileges of my life to have served as the lead and founding pastor of Connection Church. I'm sad to see this chapter of life end. I am also extremely hopeful for the future and looking forward to what God has for us next. If you would like to keep up with us and he gives some information on how they can stay in touch with him. And see, we, we came across this literally um, very, very early on in the church plant. And as I read it, it literally gave me goosebumps because everything in there could have been about us. And the reality of it is it could still be about us. If we don't seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. This to me is the key. Because when God has your heart, as Jesus talks about him having our heart here, everything else is, is doable. He begins to work it out in us and through us. And we see this. And listen, we have been through some really good times. We've seen as many as 54 people baptized on a Sunday. We've seen 25 people baptized this year already, 19 salvations. There are some really, really, really awesome things that have happened. But how I many of you know the last two years have been hard for everybody? And I'm going to tell you this, and this is not to manipulate you. This is not to um, try to twist your arm to do something that's not in your heart. Because when we say we want something for you, not from you, we really, really mean that. But since... 2019, and in February of 2020, 
when COVID hit, I don't know if you noticed, but a lot of the people disappeared. You know what else disappeared? Finances. We went back and looked since the end of 19, our giving in this church has gone down 25%. I don't know if you know what it takes, you probably don't, to, to keep a church move like this size going. But it's a pretty large number, and 25% of that number is pretty large. And I say that to say this, and I think our elders sometimes want to kick me in the teeth. Because we look at it, and there have been maybe two months in the last two years that we didn't lose money. And God has blessed us in different ways to help us get through this. But every time we look at it, and I'm like, it's coming from somewhere. It's coming from somewhere. In fact, we had our elder meeting Friday. We look at it, another 15000 in the hole this last month. And it was a five-Sunday month. I'm just being as real and honest as I can be with y'all. Look, this is not, not smoking mirrors. There's nothing to this other than the truth. And we look at it. And one of our elders this time says, well, who's going to write the check this time to catch us up? Because God just does that. And I'm telling you this, one, because if you want to invest, invest. If that's in your heart, right? But I'm telling you this, too, and this is honest, goodness, truth. I am 100% confident that we will continue to do what we do because we're going to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And this church will exist if every single day as long as God wants it to exist. And he is going to take care of us. You know why? Because I know my father. And I've seen it too many times. And we're not going to quit. And we're not going to give up. And we're going to keep pushing ahead. And I'm encouraging you to do the very same thing. You need to know how valuable you are. And you need to do something with your life that really matters. Instead of storing up treasures where vermin and moth and rust are going to destroy, why don't you seek first the kingdom of heaven and do something that actually has effect on the world. Instead of worrying about what you'll eat or what you'll wear, do something that actually has an effect and seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And see what your father does. It's really that simple. And I really believe this, that, that God has so much more ahead for us. God has so much more that he's going to do. We have it on shirts all over the place that the best is yet to come. We've said it for years and we'll continue to say it because it's true. And even if the doors to this place shut tomorrow, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. If there's anything you take away, don't leave here going, that was a giving message. Now, this is a kingdom message. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Seek to see the world the way God sees it through that kingdom lens. And seek 
to bring it to fruition through the grace of God working in your life as you pursue Jesus Christ. And do something with your life that has an effect and that will matter for eternity. I want to pray for us. Lord, thank you. Your word tells us that you're faithful even when we are not faithful. Would you forgive us? Would you forgive me for a divided heart? Would you forgive me, Lord, for the times I've tried to store up rather than give out? Would you forgive me, Lord, for the times I've worried about money, what we'll eat, what we'll wear, what we'll drive, what we'll put in there to make the car drive. And Lord, renew in us a steadfast spirit, a new resolve to seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. And Father, I thank you, thank you that you care for us so much. Who are we that you would be mindful of us? And yet you are. And yet you're the one that we should be mindful of. And so many times we're not, Lord. Forgive us. Give us grace and mercy that we would seek you with our whole heart. Because we know that when we do, we'll find you. We love you, Father. Thank you for Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. And for your love, in Christ's name we pray, amen.